Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, looking dark back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up wide open. Welcome back here to another episode of the UI Sports Update Football Podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. The NFL has become a news factory over the last week. You know, besides for all the games that are going on, we've had just non-stop action. Of course, the outbreak in Tennessee is out of control. We now know that the Titans did not follow protocols. They were working out together when they were told not to. They were not complying with the masks mandate in their facility. And their game this week versus Buffalo is in jeopardy. We know how the NFL came down really hard with fines on the Las Vegas Raiders for not wearing masks at a charity event. I could picture the NFL dropping the hammer on the Titans for this and to send a message to the rest of the league. We know about Cam Newton in New England. We know about Stephon Gilmore. I am recording this on Wednesday evening. Every morning at around 7.30, we start getting updates from around the NFL about teams and their COVID tests. You really have to hold your breath to hope that there won't be any new positives from these teams around the NFL. I know there are people out there who are saying they have to go to a bubble. I don't see that happening. I don't think it's possible. I do think the NFL is going to impose stricter and stricter protocols and guidelines. They will come down hard on the Titans and they're going to roll on with this season. They'll add weeks if they have to, but they are not shutting down the season like some people are writing on Twitter. We expected this to happen during the NFL season. It is happening now. The Titans are what the Miami Marlins were in baseball. I am not in panic mode mode over any of this yet I know some people are I think this will get sorted out I really really do but there is a lot of things that have to be taken care of the NFL is working tirelessly along with the NFLPA to make sure that this does work elsewhere Washington benched Dwayne Haskins after just four games which I found to be pretty odd I discussed that with my guest Damian Woody And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But Ron Rivera, as you might know, never fully committed to Haskins. If you you remember back in the Combine, which was a very long time ago, but if you remember that, there was talk about Washington meeting with Tua Tagovailoa. There was talk about them meeting with Joe Burrow. Obviously, then COVID happened. They never got him into the building, and they chose Chase Young. Um, Ron Rivera also said that if there was a preseason, it would have been an open competition. So this shouldn't be so shocking, but I'm just thinking to myself, from an organizational standpoint, what are they getting out of this? Like, what is to gain by going to Kyle Allen? We saw him last year. We have a pretty big sample size of him. Like, he had some flashes, but he was also a turnover machine at times. 
Like, Ron Rivera is not going anywhere. It's not like they have to string together some wins and to change the atmosphere in the building to save his job. You know, if you look at Kyle Allen's numbers, his adjusted yards per attempt last year was six yards. That is pretty pathetic. I know Scott Turner knows him, but I found it to be odd to just dump Dwayne Haskins, who was a 15th overall pick last year, not by this regime, but he's only played in 13 games with three different head coaches. That just feels like it's really odd. If Alex Smith, who is the new backup, does return, that is an incredible story that just keeps on getting better. But it's really weird that after four weeks of play, and after week one, when everyone was praising Dwayne Haskins for his comeback and for his locker room speech when Ron Rivera was getting an IV, that they are just going to dump him and make him the third string quarterback. It just feels really, really early. I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins was the future there because he hasn't shown me enough, but I think we should have seen a little bit more of him. The other big news that happened in the NFL was the... Houston Texans firing Bill O'Brien. We are now learning just how intense and how feisty that building was with Bill O'Brien. I am a believer that the Texans would not have fired him. He would still be the coach right now if he never had the general manager role. Because as much as Texans fans don't like Bill O'Brien and they can't stand him, this is somebody who won four division titles in six years. I know they didn't have that much playoff success, but still, it's, you know, winning division is not an easy task in the NFL. Entering this season, my number one concern with the Texans was if he would lose the locker room after making the DeAndre Hopkins trade because not only is Hopkins arguably the best receiver in football, he was one of the most likable people in that locker room. There are now multiple reports from reliable people that the locker room gave up on him and owner Cal McNair made the move and Bill O'Brien is gone. This is the thing for me. I really don't know how attractive is this Texans job. They're not going to hire a new coach until after this season. But you look at this team. They have the quarterback position set. He has he has the extension, $40 million a year with Deshaun Watson. But after that, there are holes on this roster. Their cap situation is not great. They don't have any high draft picks in 2021. That's in Miami. Like, as crazy as it sounds, would the Jets be a more attractive job than the Texans once the season is over because the Jets, they do have a boatload of cap space. The Jets do have two first-round picks this year and next year. They do have a quarterback who some believe is the future, but even if he's not, you could probably go and draft one of the top quarterbacks in 2021 and have that contract for the next five years. It's an interesting thought. We have a lot more Jets talk coming up. We have a lot more NFL talk coming up here with my guest, Damian Woody who was fantastic. But before we go to Damien, a quick word from our sponsors. DoorDash is the app that brings the food you are craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, 
and your food is on its way. Right now, for our listeners here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast, you can get $5 off plus zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the app and use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Again, that is $5 off plus zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and you enter the code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. This week's episode is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. You might not be at the football games this year, right? We know some stadiums are opening up, but most stadiums are still not allowing fans. However, you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this football season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to BetOnline.ag today and go take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses and more that they are offering. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so now here is my full discussion with ESPN NFL analyst Damien Woody as we talk about his disappointing New York Jets. We also look around the NFL, talk about all the good, the bad, and the ugly, including the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, the Cleveland Browns, and much, much more. So now here it is, my full discussion with Damien Woody. All right, joining me now here on the My Sports Update Football Podcast. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, played 12 seasons in the NFL, and he's now been at ESPN for over 10 years as an NFL analyst. Back here for a second time, it is the great Damian Woody. Damian, welcome back. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Thanks for having me back, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, Listen, man, we've done now four weeks of the NFL season. It's gone Pretty good. We have a couple of hiccups going on around the league right now, but I want to start by talking on the field a little bit because obviously you are here in the the New York, New Jersey area. You are a Jets fan in heart, and what's going on with this team? It's been it's been sad. It stinks right now. But I want to look back for a second. I want to looking back at what we know, where things stand right now. Where did things go wrong? Because. I really think most people would say it was hiring Adam Gase. I've always believed it was not firing McCagan along with Bowles, and then they created a forced marriage, and it obviously did not work. Where was the bad decision made where we ultimately got to this mess? I actually think you got to go back even further than that. I think you got to go back to the whole Idzik Rex, uh, Rex Ryan on uh, that marriage because that was another arranged marriage and. You know, if you look back at, at that that point in time and, and all the draft picks that uh, that Izzik and, and Rex had, they just, they were a disaster. They never panned out. I remember the one draft where it was like the Izzik 12, where they had 12 draft picks that one year, and not, that that draft class was, was a disaster. So you look at Izzik and, and Rex, and then you move forward to, you know, McCagnan and Bowles and you know, the combination of the arranged marriages and then the, the, the draft picks that have just been disastrous for the Jets. And this is where, this is where, this is how you end up. A team that's barren, that has a lot of holes in it. You know, it, that's really how this whole thing has come about. Yes, we can all agree that um, Adam Gates is not a very good head coach at all, but 
this problem started well before Adam Gates got here. Right. So this has been a mess for for a while. The Jets have not been able to figure it out. I'm pretty sure you're talking about the 2014 draft when they picked um, Calvin Pryor and Jason Morrow of their first two picks. Nothing panned out there with Idzik making those picks. But looking at it right now, I think it's inevitable that Adam Gase will be gone, if not during the season, probably after the season. This is a team that has draft capital. They will have cap space. If you had your choice to pick any available coach right now, who are you looking at as the guy who you think could be the coach of this team and get them back in the positive direction? Wow. Um, there are a lot of really good coaches. I think it depends on the flavor you want. Do you, you know, for me, like I look at, there's some hot coordinators out there. Obviously for me, you know, people are going to bring up Eric B. Enemy, um, the OC out of, out of Kansas City. Um, Brian Dayball, who's um, the offensive coordinator with the Buffalo Bills, who I'm very familiar with. Uh, we were together with the New England Patriots, um, and he's done, he's just done a masterful job with Josh Allen. Um, and then, you know, you have to take a look at, you know, maybe college coaches. But, I mean, for my money, I would probably go – I would probably be leaning towards a, like a Brian Dayball right now. The Jets have seen him twice in the division. Again, he's developed the quarterback, which is the – like, that's the most important thing. you got to be able to develop the quarterback. Put pieces around, which the Jets have plenty of draft capital. They'll have, you know, I think top three as far as cap money is concerned next mm -hmm. next offseason. So they'll be able to to surround whoever is at quarterback. They just need a coaching staff, a coach that can develop the quarterback, whether it's Sam Donald or, you know, whoever they decide to draft moving forward. Interesting. Brian Dable has for sure done a tremendous job with Josh Allen. We'll talk about the Bills later on, but... The last time the Jets had a head coaching search, the four finalists were Mike McCarthy, Adam Gase, Todd Munkin, and Matt Rule. Obviously, hiring Gase and developing Darnold has not worked out with this coach. Let's talk about Sam Darnold here because in the offseason, I had your colleague Dan Orlovsky on the podcast, and he talked about how much he loves Sam Darnold, and he even went out and said that from all the quarterbacks drafted in the last three years, he would take Sam Darnold over all of them and that kind of went viral actually but he also mentioned that the Jets have not given him the pieces to work with and that's why he has struggled now he is injured again he's not going to play on Sunday versus Arizona but where do you sit on Sam Darnold being the franchise quarterback because he has not had a good offensive line he has not had the receivers he has not had the coaches but at the same time he's also been hurt and he's also made some bad decisions on the field, regardless of who he has around him. What do you think of him? I think the grade is incomplete. I, there were a lot of people that, that said that, oh, Sam Donald, the Jets are going to exercise a 50-yard option. Sam Donald's a franchise quarterback. And that might still be the case. They might exercise a 50-yard option. But I wasn't – for me, my opinion was that Sam Donald – he still has a lot of work to do um, as far as, you know, convincing ownership and, and everyone in that organization that he's, you know, that he's the franchise guy. He's the long-term solution. Yes. I know that the Jets have done a horrible job since he's been with the, with the, uh, with the franchise of, of providing him with stability, providing him with talent, much needed talent to surround him. Um, but we also have seen Sam Donald 
you know, on the field, make it, you know, make plays that are quite questionable, you know, turnovers and not, not seeing the field like you would think that a third year quarterback should. So listen, I think everyone is culpable in this situation. The franchise for not doing right by Sam Donald, whether it be offensive line, talent, and uh, Sam Donald, in my opinion, has been regressing every year since he's come into this franchise. So um, hopefully he can, he can you know, work his way back to, onto the field. And some of these other guys, whether it be, you know, Bashar Perriman, Denzel Mims, all these guys can get, get back on the field so we can finally maybe get a true sense of what Sam Donald is because that's, that's really the issue. We, we don't know who he is right now. Here's the thing, and it's crazy to me because, you know, we're only in week five and there's so much football to be played, but the New York media and the papers here, and I'm sure you've seen all of this, they're already talking about the draft. They're talking about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I want to put this scenario at you because I've seen it floated around. If the Jets have this top three pick or even the number one pick, and they have two first round picks already from Jamal Adams trade, right? Are you taking a quarterback and shipping Darnold or you take that pick, trade it away, get a boatload of picks back and then let Joe Douglas do his thing? Because I do think he has a vision. And if he has a bunch of high draft picks, let him actually spend in for agency and get players on longer term contracts, unlike this past offseason. What scenario would you go with? Because, listen, that fifth year option is coming up. They're going to have to decide this offseason. Yeah. And, you know. For me, I, I'm a believer in Sam Donald, his talents. You know, I'm disappointed in his his incons in his inconsistency. But I feel like the one thing that Joe Douglas has done is he has given the Jets much needed flexibility, much needed flexibility. And this fan, this franchise, the fan base has been through a lot. You know, for ten years after the little run um, where the Jets went to back to back AFC Championship games, I think this offseason is going to be critical for this organization. Nobody wants to hear about limitations as far as spending is concerned. This franchise needs to take a step forward. They need, they need to go out and go big. You have multiple first-round picks. You have a bevy of draft capital. You have cash as far as, you know, the cap is concerned. This organization needs to go out and acquire as much talent as possible moving forward um, this offseason, whether it be with Donald, or whether it be with, you know, Trevor Lawrence coming in if the Jets are picking number one. It's crazy that we're already talking about this. I'm telling you, it's only week five. Here's the thing also, you know, Mikai Becton, as you know, has been a bright spot. I know he's banged up. Denzel Mims, Brashad Perriman, Le'Veon Bell, they should be back soon. Bell should be back as early as this week, actually. So help is on the way, but it's going to be a long, long season. One more thing here on the Jets, you know, I'm kind of interested to get your opinion on this. We just saw Bill O'Brien get fired in Houston. Do you think Adam Gase would be fired already if we weren't in this pandemic and if fans were actually in the stands making noise the way we know Jets fans would? I think he would. I think if, if, if we weren't in a pandemic and the fans were in the stands, I think Adam Gates would be gone by now because I think the fan base is just is fed up with Adam Gates and, you know, just his lack of imagination, creativity as far as game plan is concerned, and some just, just some of the odd decisions that, uh, that he's made. I mean, and you look at the body of work. This guy was billed, Christopher Johnson built his guy as an offensive guru, offensive genius. Well, if you look at the if you look at the numbers, he's been one of the worst. The Jets have one of the worst offenses during his tenure. You know, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, just from an offensive standpoint, it's finished near the bottom of the league every year he's been with this organization. The quarterback has regressed. 
And the fan base just wouldn't put up with it if they were in the stands. And we know how reactionary this organization is, especially the owner, when things are going bad. Uh, so I do think that if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic and the fans were there, the move would have been made already, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How much trust do you have in Joe Douglas, by the way, as a general manager? Because I think he does have a vision. I know this past offseason, he didn't do that much. I think his draft, especially Mekhi Becton, has worked out so far. We haven't seen Denzel Mims. But he's probably going to have a new head coach that he's going to pick this offseason. He's going to have the cap. He's going to have the draft capital. Do you believe he's the guy who can make the right decisions? I do. I do. I do think so. I think that he's going to take a, he's going to take a hit. Um, this season because if you look at the offensive line, outside of Makai Becton, which I think Makai Becton is a slam dunk, mm-hmm. the offensive line has been very questionable, uh, particularly in the interior of the offensive line. So, you know, fans will pick at that, and then ultimately the fans will say, hey, you let Robbie Anderson walk out the door, and you went out and signed Rashad Perriman, and look at what Robbie Anderson is doing in Carolina. He's having a career – he's on pace for a career year in Carolina. So, you know, the fans are going to look at look at those things and say, okay, you know, those are questionable decisions, but the Jets also have a lot of flexibility with the draft picks and the cap, the cap space going in this offseason. So I think the fan base is, is a little bit more lenient for Joe Douglas, but I think he's going to have to make some bold moves this offseason. Mm-hmm. For sure. Robbie Anderson, by the way, so far has been lights out in Carolina. I'll tell you the numbers. 28 catches on 34 targets and 377 receiving yards and a touchdown. He has been phenomenal there. Panthers fans are already calling him a wide receiver one after just watching him in four games. Let's talk about the AFC East team that is thriving right now, and that is the Buffalo Bills. So when you were on the podcast last time, I actually asked you, which team do you have winning the AFC East? This was back in the offseason, back in, I don't know, May or June. You picked Buffalo, but I really don't think anyone expected them to be this good. I know it's only four games, but at some point, the NFL world is going to have to admit this isn't a fluke. How impressed are you at Josh Allen and the Bills overall? Very impressed. Very. I mean, the, the one question that I had about the Buffalo Bills was a quarterback position because we, we knew that Josh Allen is tremendously talented, but he was also wildly inconsistent. So he would provide you a lot of splash plays, but he would also do a lot of boneheaded things. We're not seeing any of that from Josh Allen this year. We're seeing a totally different guy that's going out there, not only making plays with his legs, but his accuracy, his touch with his throws has just been on the money. And a lot of it has to do with a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, the, trade, the trade for Stephon Diggs has been huge for Buffalo. I mean, you look at the Buffalo Bills receiving core, they're one of the best, they have one of the best receiving cores in the National Football League, and Stephon Diggs is a huge reason for that. He, his speed, his route running ability is just causing havoc against opposing defenses, and, and uh, Josh Allen has been the benefactor of that. And I think that the, the other reason is, is, is the guy that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, a few minutes ago, and that's offensive coordinator Brian Dayball. His ability to scheme and put guys in position to make big plays has just been phenomenal. He's just been phenomenal with that, and um, you know, there's a reason why he's a hot name right now as far as uh, this offseason potentially being a head coach because his job of developing Josh Allen and then just implementing the offense that's just been lights out, uh, you know, the first quarter of the season. So this Buffalo Bills team is real. I think everyone wants to see them, 
you know, step up in competition to get a really good feel for this team. But this team is 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 as good as any team in the league right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, the the size, the athleticism, the arm strength, the work ethic, it, it's been all there. The improvement he's made each and every year has been nothing short of amazing. And, you know, Allen gets credit, but that's exactly what coaching does. And that's what the Jets are missing. The front office there has been pretty much perfect with Brandon Bean since he got there. The moves they've made, the signings, the draft picks, adding John Brown, adding Cole Beasley, um, trading for Stephon Diggs, as you said. They no longer need the defense to be perfect to win games. Josh Hallen has come a long way since the Bills traded up to get him in the first round a few years ago. Speaking of former first-round quarterbacks, the Washington football team benched Dwayne Haskins today, and they actually made him the third-string quarterback now. This comes after he was the 15th overall pick last year. He's played in 13 games total with three different head coaches. Unless there's something we don't know about, this feels a bit premature. What did you think of it? This was a head-scratching move, in my opinion. I mean, you're talking about a guy in Dwayne Haskins who it was started one season at Ohio State. I mean, it, it was games. like 12 games. It was a phenomenal 12 games, but 12 games. At Ohio State, you go out there, you know, you know, Washington football team, you draft him 15th overall, and it was the owner. The owner, you know, the owner drafted him, basically. The head coach, Jay Gruden at the time, who was already on the hot seat, didn't want him. So I always say a lot of times when it comes to quarterbacks, the, the environment, the culture can make or break a guy. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing with Dwayne Haskins right now because he came into an organization where the head coach wasn't really – he didn't really want Dwayne Haskins, but the owner did because he's from that area. So the head coach at the time didn't really want to put him out there, but he was forced to put him out there. The head coach gets fired. Bill Callahan becomes the interim, and it's just all a mess. And then a whole new regime comes in with Ron Rivera, who has no loyalty towards him. And we've seen already that Ron Rivera's like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna pull you, put the the Allen ah. kid in there, mm-hmm. and um and, and we're we're gonna try to win this division. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you didn't even give this kid a chance. Didn't even get him give him a chance mm-hmm. to develop mm-hmm. and, and try to see if he could be the franchise quarterback. And that's what happens a lot of times with these bad organizations. They just they foster an environment that is just detrimental for a young quarterback coming in, and this is the result. Let me ask you, what's your take on, you know, we see this so much in the NFL with bringing in people who know the system or people who are my friends from a different organization when I was there. What's your take on doing that? Because Ron Rivera spoke about it before. He's bringing in Kyle Allen because he knows the system. He knows Scott Turner. And because the NFC East is so wide open, we're going to go with him. What, what do you think of him doing that? I just, I don't understand because Kyle Allen didn't play good last year, you know, and, and, and with Ron Rivera, you had, this, this is also the thing. You had an opportunity to get a Cam Newton who was who was on the market. You chose to bypass Cam Newton and go with Kyle Allen. And now look what Cam Newton is doing up in New England. Uh, just ha- just having a phenomenal year outside of the contracting the coronavirus, but he's he's really you know looks like he's rejuvenated up in New England. So you bypass Cam Newton, you pull the. Um, Dwayne Haskins, and now you're putting everything on Kyle Allen? I just question these decisions. What has Kyle Allen done? What is his resume where you feel so confident that this guy can go out there and play some really good ball? Because quite honestly, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Kyle Allen play good football 
since he's been in the National Football League. Yep, Kyle Allen actually had more interceptions than touchdowns last year, 17 to 16. Ron Rivera traded for him, brought in a bunch of his former coaches as well. And now after just four games, is going with him to take over the starting quarterback job. Washington has the Rams this week and then three straight NFC East games after that. Let me shift over to your former quarterback, Tom Brady and his Buccaneers. Listen, we we all like the Saints coming into this year. We all thought it might take a little time for Brady to gel with all his new pieces. I said this last week, the, the way the Bucs are playing offensively and the way the defense has played under Todd Bowles, I think the NFC South might go through them. You know what? You might you might not be wrong. I, I think, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has been phenomenal. I think they've been, you know, they've been playing some really good ball. They got a lot of good talent on that side of the football. And what we saw to Tom Brady, particularly in the second half of last last week's game, if Tom, if Tom Brady continues to play that type of ball, in, in that, where he, I think he threw like five, five touchdowns last week. Mm-hmm. Five um, different receivers also. Five different receivers. If he played that type of ball, this Tampa Bay team could very well find itself in, 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 you know, not going anywhere for the Super Bowl because they have the defense and they had the quarterback to get it done. And, it, it, I, and I said that it was going to take Tom Brady some time. I compared it to when Brett Favre came over to the Jets. It took us like, th- you know, three or four games to get going. But once we got going, we were humming. That's what I think uh, we're starting to see with the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady's passer rating has gone up every week so far this season with the Bucs. The team's total yards has gone up every week. As I said, five touchdowns to five different receivers on Sunday. First time he's ever done that in his career. That defense is for real. And I said this in the offseason. I don't know why people didn't talk about this. That defense was good last year, and they had to come on the field a lot all of a sudden because of how many turnovers Jameis Winston had. They don't have that this year, and we've seen them just improve even more in the second year under Todd Bowles. That front seven is for real. I mean, I really, I just feel like this defense, if anything, is going to continue to get better. And Tom Brady and the boys there, I mean, I know they're kind of banged up on offense right now, but as the season progresses, they're going to continue to click. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we know that they lost O.J. Howard for the year, and Chris Godwin, I think, has been ruled out this week. But, you know, the one thing about Tom Brady, he he's always been resourceful you know, up in New England for 20 years. He didn't necessarily have, you know, top-notch talent, particularly at a skill position. Um, but he's always been resourceful. He knows how to – there's not a lot of things that you can throw at him that's going to confuse him. He's seen everything in the book. It was just a matter of just time before you could see remnants of, of, of the Tom Brady that we've been accustomed to seeing get into his groove. And, and, and I think last week, that's when we first we first saw it that – where Tom was out there clicking with with his teammates. So again, with that defense in Tampa Bay led by Todd Bowles and Tom Brady starting to come on, it very well could go through Tampa. Yeah, they have, as you said, the Bears here coming up on Thursday night. Chris Godwin has been ruled out, so has LaShawn McCoy. But so far, what we've seen from that team, it's been pretty impressive. And there's still a long way to go this season. I do believe it's going to continue to click as the year goes on. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. You know, week one was such a disaster, but Kevin Stefanski has settled in. The running game, even without Nick Chubb, has been lights out. 
the offensive line has been fine and Baker Mayfield is doing enough. Are you buying the Cleveland Browns? I am. I wasn't before the season, but I am now. And, um, you know, I really, uh, I'm really kicking myself because I should have known better. I, you know, I said in January, I did a radio show in, um, in Cleveland. Um, and the one thing I talked about was their best, their biggest um, offseason acquisition was offensive line coach Bill Callahan. Mm-hmm. This was a guy that he was my coach, my offensive line coach, my last three years in the league with the New York Jets. And the one thing I would say is there's not a final offensive line coach in the league right now than Bill Callahan. His ability to draw, to scheme, scheme out running plays um, and get the offensive line to play as one has just been, it's been a godsend for the Cleveland Browns. I mean, to rush for over 300 yards, 307 yards to be exact against the Dallas Cowboys with Nick Chubb out for three and a half quarters, it's just it's just been phenomenal. They they have the number one rushing attack in the league. Mm-hmm. If they can go, if they can get competent play from Baker Mayfield, the quarterback position, they're going to be able to run the football. Um, and they're you know defensively with Miles Garrett, who I believe is going to be defensive player of the year this year. This team could could definitely make some noise. They they definitely could. Miles Garrett so far this year. I mean, you can make an argument that he's right there with Aaron Donald as one of the best defensive players in football. He's probably leading the way right now in defensive player of the year voting if that was a thing right now. So he's been amazing. The offensive line, they added Conklin, they added Jedrick Wills. Bill Callahan is someone people really don't talk about. And even without Nick Chubb right now, you know, Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing when he was in Kansas City as a rookie. So he's going to be just fine. He's been great so far being the number two. Now he'll take over as the number one. The rushing attack should be just fine. They're three and one so far. The AFC North is obviously competitive, but after what happened in week one, they have been pretty impressive. And Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, we, you'd even mention him. I mean, the NFL is better when he's doing his thing, and he just did that on Sunday. So it's been, it's been fun to see. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, they, they have a team. They're very talented. Um, it seems like they're, you know, Kevin Stefanski, the one thing that he, I think the one thing that you see from him is he wants to, he wants to run the football. We saw with him as an offensive coordinator last year with the Minnesota Vikings. I think they, you know, they had the fourth most rushing attempts in the league last year. Uh, they ran it even with Kirk Cousins and, and his bloated salary. That offense went through Dalvin Cook. And when it, go, when it went through Dalvin Cook, good things happened for the Minnesota Vikings. I think you're going to see the same type of approach with the Cleveland Browns where this offense is going to go through the running game. And, that's, and that's, I think that's their strength. Mm-hmm, definitely. And if you look at the Browns' schedule, they've won three in a row. Their next two games, they have the Colts on Sunday, the Steelers after that. Two very tough defenses. If they could show that they could continue this play against those two teams who are playoff caliber teams, I think more and more people will continue to buy in on this. Obviously, some people might be hesitant to buy in on the Browns because of their history. But so far, so good. Three in a row for them. And they have, as I said, the Colts coming up here on Sunday. I want to shift over to the Green Bay Packers. They are 4-0 right now. They have a bye this week. But Aaron Rodgers has 13 touchdowns, no interceptions this year. I tweeted this on Monday night that people should forget about the Jordan Love pick. Forget about the Packers not taking a receiver in the draft. Aaron Rodgers is a different person this year. He just looks like he's having a lot of fun out there and he's doing his thing and it's without Devontae Adams and it's without Alan Lazard. It's with guys that, 
you know, casual fans might have never heard of. Do you feel that as well? I feel like it's just a different Aaron Rodgers out there. Well, I think, you know, the, he had mentioned in the interview that he's just, he, from a mindset perspective, he's just in a good place. And, you know, that goes for anybody. If you're in a good place from a mindset perspective, usually good things happen to you. And for Aaron Rodgers, he's on pace to have, have his best career as a pro. Think about that. He's on pace right now to have his best career as a pro. And that's with, you know, Devontae, you know, Devontae Adams being out for, you know, for a little bit of time and, and uh, some younger guys that's, that's playing the skill position. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers has just been phenomenal. And I just, the one thing that, j- that jumps off to me is a quote that he had, you know, on the Pat McAfee show that, you know, everybody's been talking about his, you know, his downslide and all those type of things. But he brought, he brought up a good point that his down years are career years for a lot of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. <laughs> I mean, we're t- you know, Aaron Rodgers has been so phenomenal as a quarterback that when you when you actually look at his look at his numbers and his quote unquote down years, they're really good years still. But we just have such high expectations for him that you know we we expect more. But he's playing phenomenal this year. You know the the, the running backs that they have there in Green Bay has just been phenomenal, and uh, the Green Bay Packers are again <laughs> they're 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 firing on all cylinders and they're going to be one of those teams in the NFC that everyone's going to be talking about. Yep. You know, you mentioned Pat's show. I know you were on it on Friday. Aaron goes on it every week, right? It's, it's interesting to me because I've, I've, there's been this, this crazy change. There was so much people who were hating on Aaron Rodgers for a very long time. If you look at the comments that people are writing now after watching him every week on that show, people are just saying, I'm a Bears fan and I can't stand how much I like this guy. Like he's opening up. His mindset is clearly different. People are just, they have a different um, opinion on him all of a sudden because, you know, it's, as I said, it, it really feels like it's somebody else this year. I don't remember Aaron being like this, maybe because, I don't know, he's always had a different opinion on the media. I know we spoke about it yesterday, actually, but like, I don't know, man. I, I really feel like, I don't think this is going to stop at any time soon. I think he's going to keep on rolling. If anything, he's going to get more pieces back with Adams and Lazar. I mean, I could legitimately see Aaron not just winning MVP this year, but the Packers going um, a far away. I know they made an NFC Championship game last year, but it just feels like this team is is gelled even more. And I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, you know, when you just when when you watch Aaron Rodgers, he's just playing loose. He's playing free. He's like he's having fun. You know, he seems like he's ingratiating himself more with the media. So everyone's getting a look at a different side of Aaron Rodgers, and it's just. It's been good to see, quite honest with you, because, you know, he's, he's this guy's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best talents that we've ever seen at the quarterback position, and he's out there just having fun. And that's all you can ask for as a fan is, you know, the, the greats, you know, that's, that's, playing, that's playing the game. You just want them to see him have fun and be successful, and Aaron Rodgers is clearly doing that in his, in his second year on the Matt LaFleur. Yep. After all the offseason talk about how this relationship is going to go, I mean, I don't think anyone expected it to be like this, but it's been just nothing short of amazing. When they come back from the bye, they have a pretty big matchup against the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. That is going to be a must watch. Last thing here before I wrap this up, the NFC East. I saw you talking about the Cowboys this morning on Get Up. We talked about Washington before. Who do you think takes this division? Because it's been such a mess so far. 
It has, man. It, it's been, you know, watching the NFC East now is is it kind of it kind of hurts because I grew up I grew up a Washington the Washington football team a fan. So I grew up when when the NFC East was like big, the big bad division, you know, with Randall Cunningham and the, with Philadelphia and and Reggie White and and the Hogs and you know obviously the Dallas Cowboys. So to watch this this division. Uh, be the worst division in football is is, is heartbreaking. But I, when I look at these teams in the division, I think it's so man, tough. <laughs> it all... is, man, because they're all bad. They're all bad teams. I have to think the Dallas Cowboys find a way defensively to get some things turned around. They got some players that are going to come back, you know, that are hurt right now. I know Leighton Van Der Esch is going to come back. They got a couple guys in the secondary that's going to come back. Sean Lee, you know, they're talking about coming back. So they have reinforcements coming back on defense because they, they right now, they're just on a historically bad pace right now. You're talking about Dallas Cowboys defense that over the last three weeks has allowed 38 points or more uh, mm-hmm. defensively. So you, you would have to think as the season goes along, they'll get better. The offense, they can score on anyone. That's That's already been shown. If the defense can improve, I think I think the Dallas Cowboys will win that division. Listen, it, it, it's really wide open. I mean, if they win this week, Philadelphia loses, they're on top already. So, like, you know, <laughs> it, that's how bad it's been. They could easily be 0-4 if they, didn't, if they didn't come back against Atlanta. But Dak has thrown a lot this year so far. He threw 57 passes two weeks ago. He threw 58 last week. But he's gotten the that's job done. That's not sustainable. It's not. That's not. That is not sustainable. And when you're paying Zeke Elliott – the type of money that you're paying him. I've always said the Dallas Cowboys are best when they're going through Zeke. So they they got to find some type of balance, especially when your defense is struggling the way it is. You got to try to run the ball and keep your defense on the sideline. Mm-hmm. There, listen, you, you mentioned it already. Leighton Van Der Esch is actually progressing well. I read that report today. So he's expected back soon. Sean Lee is expected back in three or four weeks. There are some secondary pieces that are – um, missing, as you said. Maybe they'll go out and get Earl Thomas. You never know. So there's still a lot of time left. Um, the Cowboys, listen, they're not going to move on from Mike Nolan. They've, they've made it clear that it's way too early to do that, even though it's been really disappointing so far. But the NFC East, look at this. There are 12 teams in the NFL that have as many or more wins than the NFC East has combined so far. I mean, that's just pathetic. Oof. It's Oof. it's. It's, it's a crazy stat. And by the way, listen, one of my favorite stats, it, it's been 15 consecutive seasons that the defending NFC East champion did not repeat the following year. So Philly won it last year. If Dallas wins it again, that stat is alive. Still a long way to go this year, but so far it has been a complete mess, as we said. All right, Damon, I want to thank you for taking the time here today, coming on the podcast once again. Everyone can follow you on Twitter and on Instagram. It is at Damien Woody, and they could catch you on ESPN throughout the week. Damien, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right, so that was ESPN NFL analyst Damian Woody. Special thanks to him for coming on the podcast this week, for coming back on the podcast for a second time. Always great talking to him. That does it here for this week's My Sports Update football podcast. There is so much going on in the NFL. There's always a lot going on, but it just feels like there's obviously extra stuff going on this year because of the circumstances. As I said in the beginning, like every morning that you wake up, 
you are worried that there could possibly be an outbreak somewhere, which is obviously very concerning. Every time you get the update where it is, you know, negative tests around the building, you get a bit of a sigh of relief. I can't really imagine what it feels like to actually be the medical team or the GM or the head coach where you really don't know what is going to happen. Like, just give an example from a few weeks ago when we really had our first case in the season. AJ Terrell, the Falcons corner, test positive on Saturday. Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov basically did not sleep that entire night heading into Sunday's game because they were worried there might be more positive tests on the team and their game that week for Chicago would not happen. So, you know, we've seen it happen now to Tennessee. We're seeing it happen in New England. We hope that the players are going to be more cautious. The teams will be more cautious. They will comply by the rules. The NFL has already announced that there are going to be stricter rules. They sent out the memo. There was a call with owners, coaches, and general managers on Monday. So things are happening. They're taking it seriously. It's step by step, day by day. They're going to try to make this work. The NFL, we know this. They are going to continue to push forward. That's how they do things. That's how it's going to be. They're going to do it the safe way. They're going to do it the right way, but they're going to try to make this happen. So as always, follow the My Sports Update Twitter page. I'm sure you already do. Make sure you have your notifications on so you don't miss any updates from around the National Football League during these times. I am your host, Ari Merov. I'll be back for another episode next week for another special guest. Until then, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy week five of the NFL season, and I'll talk to you all next week. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1 where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts.